0: Welcome, everyone, to Bedard's Unofficial St. John's Podcast. I'm your host, Pierre. Uh, Joining me are Richard DeCandole and Crazy James Wakel, and an extremely special guest, Mr. Paul Nordahl. So welcome, Richard. Welcome, James, and welcome, Paul.
1: Thanks for having us.
2: Good to be here.
0: So you guys know the drill before we start. The only purpose of this thing is to sell books. So if you haven't put it on your wish list already, and you, or you haven't bought Toughest School in North America, this is what uh, who's sponsoring uh, this podcast. And if you want to support the podcast, buy the book. Go to Amazon today and get it done. So today's guest, Mr. Paul Nordahl. Why Paul. Well, for one, he was a fellow student with me, so he was a a fellow classmate, and he also appeared in The New Boy, uh, the Canadian National Film Board, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And then, James, you have your own particular spin on Mr. Nordahl?
1: Well, he was one of my teachers. He was my first brigade leader on my New Boy hike and on my uh, first canoe trip. And he was the last person that I talked to when I left St. John's. Is that the, wow. canoe, the, the canoe trip? Uh the canoe trip, which one was that? Rangers. The Athabasca.
3: Okay. All right.
1: The one where we so, ran out of water in the river. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So we'll get to some of those experiences, but I've got to start it off and just ask, why, why, why did you go back, Paul? Why did you choose to go back and teach at St. John's after? Uh, well, first off, when I left you, you were still a student. So tell us a little bit about your uh, your time in Manitoba. How long were you there and what did you end up doing and did you graduate? All the good stuff.
3: I. Started at St. John's Cathedral Boys School in the 72, 73 year, grade nine, and uh, graduated in 77, I guess. Um, so yeah, I was there for the for the four years and uh left, did some working, did some university, went back to work, and uh then I was actually working on the island in the sawmill. 70s, it was always a strike and there was always a strike. The mill shut down for a strike and I was looking for things to do. Did a bit of a road trip, ended up at St. John's School of Alberta just to say hi to some people I knew. And quite frankly, I ended up staying. They said, you, know, do you want a job? Do you feel like working? And it beat the hell out of pushing planks in the sawmill. So I took a change of course.
0: You know, I, I don't know what what all to say about that, either. You fool, or you know, congratulations. <laughs> but uh when I mean, I remember when you were on the New Boy Brigade. Uh I don't know. Were you on the New Boy Brigade that got filmed? Were you on mine, or were you? You, you were, I was. weren't you? I
3: have a uh, starring role, spreading peanut butter on my hardtack there in the movie. Oh. I remember that.
1: I seem to remember they also called on you to wash a pot. Oh, probably many times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think you were you were also sort of stunned in the. Uh, you, there's a great shot of you in the uh, chapel, post uh, the our trip. So the reason I asked is I I'd heard there was a rumored uh, uh, mutiny on the other trip. Uh, that I you know I hear about from others that I guess made it a little more exciting uh where basically everybody decided to stop paddling at Grand Beach and they would go no further or something like that. And I think PJ sort of uh read the Riot act and got everybody back paddling. But our trip was long I remember our it was a hell of a new boy mainly because it was so long. in fact, I think our our um, the Grand. Was shorter.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a long and cold and wet trip. I, uh, I certainly remember that, and I was pretty impressed actually with the uh, um, the photographer they sent along. You know, this guy had never been exposed to this sort of stuff, and I remember thinking, "Wow, did you really sign on to this voluntarily?"
0: <laughs> well, you had.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of I had, <laughs> I, uh, I remember my, my parents, uh, it was, I think it was called the Canadian Magazine or something, it was a story about St. John's. And uh, they showed me the pictures, they asked me what I thought, I thought it sounded really cool. Went and did the interview with Frank Weens and Seltzer? and, Selter. and um, wow, um, okay. They sold it well.
0: So did you, so during your time, I mean, I don't necessarily remind, you don't, I remember you weren't necessarily uh, bad, you know, depending on how you define bad, but I don't think you took that many swats. You were probably like me, I would imagine, under the radar.
3: No, no. Unfortunately, I was a very lippy, mouthy kid. And um, I probably got every spot I deserved, which was many of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I don't I don't remember you didn't smoke, right?
3: I did for a while. Ah hey, all the cool kids did, huh?
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Sadly, very true, very true. Did you ever get caught?
3: Uh I don't think I ever did actually. No. Oh, no.
0: that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, after you got you did the grand with were you you were in my brigade for the grand too. Yep. Sure. Which we finished in record time.
3: Exactly. That was with Peter, wasn't it?
0: Yes. Yes. Richard keeps denying this as if it, you know.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we set we set the bar very high in uh, what the heck was it? 1965, I guess. Um. I think one one canoe crew, uh, led by Pat Tracy, did the Grand Portage in four hours and thirty three minutes or something like that, carrying a canoe. I mean that's I don't. Most of us took a whole day and and beyond maybe, but uh, I thought that we. Uh, you know I'm sure the record of our time was broken because we were a full three weeks at least, maybe even twenty two, twenty three days getting to Winnipeg. But we didn't have many uh, windbound days. I don't. Think maybe just a few hours here and there. So and that was one of the benefits of the Grand, is it weren't part from Lake Superior and well, and Lake Winnipeg for that matter. Um, it was pretty protected water, so you could usually move along most days um, one way or another and make pretty good time. But uh, I guess uh, yeah, I wonder what the quickest time was overall. You, I mean, you're going to claim that your time was that record was never broken because at some point they stopped allowing st john's to do that
3: route uh, not long after i think
0: i think ours was just over two weeks as i remember
3: 15 days and it was measured in hours it was very important for peter to to get that time
0: yes jackson had to win and uh, I remember like the rain, you know, paddling rainy lake, I'll still never forget. I mean, there's a lot of there's that That was actually quite a good trip that kept moving. And compared to the new boy, it was heaven. I mean, mm-hmm. the amount of, um, you know, and, and of course, canoeing up to the swamp, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to see it uh, completely, you know, people always say drain the swamp, screw draining the swamp, flood it.
3: and and the other thing about it i was listening to a couple of the previous episodes and you know james keeps bragging about how you know he benefited from all of our pain and torture um back absolutely we didn't have tents they they issued us a square piece of polyethylene and so it was it was the big downfall was bugs oh my god mosquitoes and you just had you pitched your little square tarp and did the best you could to keep the rain out
0: we shared it you buddied up uh yeah. with uh, another uh student and tried to make a tent out of it so your survival depended a lot on your bunkmate mm-hmm. and of course you know you guys all know the drill about finding your socks and all your crap in the dark uh, that's just you know you once you learn that you don't unlearn it but yeah i mean quite a you know it, i'm glad to see a fellow survivor of the new boy and the record breaking grand portage trip that we <laughs> did <laughs> and yes i will you were quite lippy um as a student and, and you know you're much. lucky you're lucky i wasn't a bully or anything that's all i can say <laughs> Or, you know, I had, it's like, you know, in that environment, if you, one thing about picking on other people is um, the minute you did that, you sort of opened yourself up as a victim yourself because there was always somebody bigger, you know, who's gonna tell you what's what. Yep. Um, so um, as any other torturing questions I can ask you about your time as a student. Um, I've I got one,
2: uh, Pierre. Um. I'm curious about your grade twelve year. Uh, w- one topic that we are thinking about pursuing um, as the podcast is is the very poor graduation rate uh, of, I guess, the Manitoba school grade um, grade twelve students. Or uh, and and uh, well, in our class there were five of us in grade uh, grade twelve in 1968, and none of us uh, graduated. We all had to either take subs or do another year. Uh, Peter Jackson included, and Mike Byfield, and I'm just curious whether that uh, record was similar during your time. I know there was one year that we've heard about in your time at St. John's, I believe, where the grade 12 never even went to class because they were building a gym the whole time, and uh, all of them just left the school and went on to either get their grade 12 later or became rates people and in fact i think several of them became contractors uh, um, anyway speak about that a bit paul
3: well th- that's a that's a good one um that was just before my time the, i think the gym was completed maybe two years before i arrived really um so i'm thinking it was probably completed maybe in about 71 or so uh, that's just a guess though um But we had a similar one in my grade 12 year. The local health authorities uh, told the, the school that we had to have a new sewage treatment plan. And I guess maybe they learned from previous building projects. And they actually came to students with good marks and said, would you be prepared to take on this project, but you also still have to get your work done their schoolwork done. and so i was i was on that sort of a project that spent most of my days in a pit setting up concrete forms and working with the engineer and everything else um, but I like to say i i think they were much more tightly controlled on the academic to that i certainly know that our class like, i believe did quite well in terms of graduation rates
0: It's just something that as Richard brings up like in doing the book and in looking at different situations it it became really apparent that it, the graduation rates weren't what everybody um might have thought they were and it was sort of it's sort of I mean it's something looking back that you know you wonder if we, did anybody think about that I mean I know the guys who did the gym, I think the gym was a, a year or two be right behind us Paul. Mm-hmm. And um I I remember a few of them like Richard said just went and went into the trades. You know, it just wasn't I mean I never saw them really pushing academics. Um you know they weren't trying to get us into McGill. Um I not that
3: pretty good education. I mean from my from my perspective I went on to get a, a few different degrees and i i felt i had a good underpinning when i entered university
2: my my um sort of reading on on my period well first of all ted byfield was particularly um I won't say opposed but he he did he, he did not have too much use for the ivory tower and the university kind of way of thinking yes and i was not inclined to um I guess, encourage us to move in that direction as far as I could tell. And it was more concerned about um, uh, the mechanics of learning and and becoming uh, teaching yourself how to to achieve in in that area. But it it never seemed to be uh, a particular priority. And we we never had any contact with in grade 12 with going to the University of Manitoba or even talking about it. Um, And then um, just the fact that I mean, I don't quite know, I guess we were, I had been a a B student, you know, for most of my five years, six years at St. John's, and then to uh, fail all the sciences and math, uh, because we just were not prepared. They had not prepared us for these um, grade 12 departmental exams uh, to the degree that was was necessary, I guess, Uh, you know, we barely had a lab, for doing any chemistry or, or physics um I mean I guess we did do some experimentation on that in that regard but it it just wasn't a priority and uh we were well during that period we were mostly interested in finishing a building and selling meat door to door great um, anyway that that was <laughs> what happened in my my last two years yes just, but
0: you guys I, I had don't a wanna...
1: gym. Yes, Jim, <laughs> it's the the gym in Alberta wasn't built until well after I was gone. Yeah, yeah, I I, I swung by about. Oh, man. 20 years ago or something uh, or 18 years ago, and and uh, swapped in to, to see the few teachers that were left that that I knew and uh, actually had a good sit down with Keith McKay in his office, which was above the gym. And a bunch of the students were running around on the track that was above it. And they stopped in the office and Mr. McKay introduced me and, Oh, well, you guys want to come for a run? I'm like, no, I said, and you, think you have a gym. So when I was here, we had dirt and we were glad to have it.
0: <laughs> they built the gyms strictly to play ringette. Yeah. That's what I remember, is playing ringette. Mm-hmm. It was hardcore, yeah. very hardcore. You know, I mean, right, Saint right, John's right,
1: ringette game would in, would involve a little more body contact than in regular ringette. Yeah,
2: well,
1: yeah.
2: Ringette is only ringette is mainly played by girls, isn't it? Oh, totally. So that was, Perhaps, I mean, ball hockey. <laughs> ball hockey i can see but bring it. interesting yeah
0: for some reason well ball it just wasn't the same i guess in, in the 70s what do you want you know you i mean hell we would have played hockey if they would have just thrown a curling stone in the middle of the gym and had us kick so it around or something <laughs> Look, so james,
2: J- james you were on a, a winning hockey team in 86 what what, what was that all about i was a house league thing i guess yeah it was
1: a house league that we had we had uh uh what were the teams we had the the canadians the bruins the red wings the leafs um i can't remember what the other ones were and and yeah we we won uh somehow <laughs> <laughs> and uh i was on the canadians and and uh, paul was on the the red wings yeah because that's his team would mm-hmm. help you if you got that wrong um <laughs> Uh, Jim Gerber was on the Maple Leafs. Yep. And he, you want to talk about an avid Leafs fan? Yeah,
0: no, uh, I don't actually. No, I have no interest in talking about a Leafs fan.
1: Um, but you know, it was, and this, this was something else. Uh, oh, the flyers was another team that there was. Murray Davis. No, uh, no, Dave Murray was on the uh, Canadians with me. Okay. Um, flyers blaine thalberger maybe could be um but that was something that i i really noticed about the the staff that participated in the hockey um tremendous athletes you know all all of them Uh, um uh i didn't want to go in the corner with any of you because you know it was i might not be getting a swat but i might get an elbow (laughs) in the corner you know
2: um I'm curious, was it always ice? Because we had trouble making ice in Manitoba, Well, we never succeeded.
1: Right? Oh, yeah. No, it was, we had ice. It was, uh, Every, wow. we, we had good boards. The Actually, the rink, I think, had been built the year before I got there. And uh, so, like, the boards were phenomenal, and um, we had a, a fire hose that we just ran out from the hallway through the boot room, and uh flooded it we made our own zamboni yep, just a big barrel with some holes punched in it piece of carpet and dragged that around
0: we were never able to get anything going i don't think in manitoba boot hockey was pretty much all the the, surface the the first
1: year um the first year i was there i think was the year that it was built And Paul, I think it was you and Jim Gerber that put that thing together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Um, let's phase over. Let's phase over. What a great segue into talking about that, you know, the other school that I could, you know, I didn't go to, I didn't graduate from. But so why, you know, Alberta? We can talk about Alberta now, James. Go for it.
1: Well, um, (laughs) My, my first day there, I think the, the first teachers that that I met was uh, Colin Belton. And Paul, you were one of the first ones. Uh, my mother's first impression of Colin Belton was she looked into that man as a hobbit before knowing that he was English. And uh, and then uh, her impression of you, Paul, was um, especially when she saw the pictures from the new boy hike and, and you were in shorts for the whole thing even when it was snowing and and she was just amazed that you know well how sick were you afterwards i think she may have asked and uh you had a little bit of a cold when you got back from that um but uh you know it was you know i i remember oddly specific things about the trips i remember the first day that it was snowing on our our new boy hike and and you were standing there in in your cargo shorts or whatever and uh oh come on gentlemen let's go and you're just laughing because this is old hat to you um ranger pass that was the one that we did yeah um and then on my canoe trip the first one i remember i was in your well obviously i was in everybody's canoe there because the steersman switched around but i remember i was i wasn't i wasn't the one sitting right in front of you i think that was martin hale but uh you had him taking notes uh about thoughts that were going through your head and one of them was miss nelson's purse i don't know that and then and then the word that i've been waiting to say to you since uh forever i remember this you walked in one day and and honest to God, we thought you were having a stroke when you walked into class, chemistry class, and you said, He he can off the clark so You remember? <laughs> I do. And we all looked at each other and we're like, What? And you said it two or three times, and I think somebody actually said, Are you okay? <laughs> like, is this Latin all of a sudden, or are you having a stroke? And uh, no, it's the first 20 elements of the periodic table. And I kind of went through it the other day with my wife. I was talking to her about it and do I remember them all? No, but I've always remembered the word because it's just one of those, it just rolls. Right. So um, yeah, that was, that was amazing. And, um, and then my last day there, the, you know, um, I wasn't coming back and, and we knew that. And mom said to me uh, during the open house there, we'd been there for a bit and she said, well, are you ready to go? And I said, yeah, I just, I'm going to say goodbye to a couple people. So I went into the kitchen to say goodbye to Mabel Gregoire, our cook. And she immediately put me to work. <laughs> go do this. Oh, she had me doing two or three things. I said, I'm going. Oh, okay. And she, big hug. And then, you know, I, came out and I saw you and you were speaking to another student who was proudly proclaiming the fact that he had taken all of his outdoor gear home a couple of weeks prior and therefore he was not going on the canoe trip and uh you told him well then you better just go and I thought oh man he's going to be in a bad mood uh and then I came up and I said um I said uh Mr. Nordall um I'm going and you gave me the biggest smile and you stuck your hand out and you shook my hand like a man. And you said, well, it was fun, wasn't it? And when I think about St. John's, inevitably, that's the moment I think of first. You know, uh, and when we were show the, the, the new boy, the, the film from the national film board there. Oh, you weren't there. I think you were hiding, um, and you know we watched it, and we came out of there chuckling. And Jim Gerber went right up to your office to find you to see if he could uh, bust your balls about the hard tack or the pots or something. You weren't there. I think probably in your house. <laughs> um, and and your love of Star Trek, I. I remember that. Oh, and the other thing, this one, this one just occurred to me. We'd had our, our honey sale thing. And I was one of the sellers that got to have meal over at your house and watch a movie or whatever, and you'd handed me a bowl of popcorn and I dropped it like a fool and there's popcorn everywhere. And then you went up and you didn't say anything. You went up, you made more popcorn. You came down. And you handed it to me again and i'm like uh, and somebody's like no 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 don't give it to Michael, and and you somebody else reached for it and you pulled it back and you offered it to me again and i said are you sure and you just quietly handed it to me and i very carefully took it (laughs) um these are the weird things that i remember about my time at saint john's Mm
3: -hmm. Oh, yeah. um
1: well that specifically involved you there was other things like the time that i you know got my haircut and i did it up and murray davis saw me that night and said you're getting a your haircut tomorrow right i said i got it cut today sir well you're gonna get it cut tomorrow again because that's too wild sat down and it's like right to the wood and i walked into his office afterwards and just i don't know what it was the look that i gave him and he's laughing. And I said, is that short enough? Is that it? You know, there's nothing there now. It's got to be short now. You know, I think I finally figured out why we have to have our haircut here so short. It's because you don't have any and you're jealous. That's, I can't believe it took me this long to find out. And I walked out and he's killing himself laughing. And uh, Hilary was shared that office with him. And I think she said something about, like, are you going to let him talk to you like that? And he's like, oh, lighten up. It's funny um so so so, all of my experiences with you paul were positive like i have you were one of my favorite teachers there appreciate that james i was
3: i can't tell you how fortunate i was with the the students that i encountered and amazingly enough the ones that i still encounter bumping into people in random places overseas it's really quite remarkable
1: well there was somebody uh i can't i can't remember on the on the saint john's facebook page uh somebody had deliberately sewn one of their uh badges to their backpack and you know just waiting to run into somebody and they ran into Damian Stathonicus. He said, ah. Hey, <laughs> I know what that is. So they had a had a a good chat. And that's that's what I love about you know St. John's is, you know, I've I've never met Richard and I hadn't met Pierre before, but I read Richard's book and uh I could relate to it because it was things that we had shared, even though it wasn't at the same time. Um Eric, he as well, another uh, alumni that I've got on on Facebook there. I've had a few conversations with him and, you know, it's um, it's it's the same experience. It's some of the same people. So even though you don't necessarily know somebody personally, you can relate to them because you understand the stories and the references and stuff like that. And that's part of the bond that is St. John's. Yes, very much so. I, uh, I mean, two summers ago, I had
3: Martin Denny stop by. He was on his way to a, a canoe trip. It was hilarious. I hadn't seen Martin in 25 years, 30 years. And we sat on the deck and my goodness, my wife just left. <laughs> she <yeah>. couldn't. <laughs> there was no reference point for that conversation. It was really quite <laughs> quite amusing. Yeah.
2: I got a, actually uh, the same sort of thing happened. Not to dwell on what happened here, but my sister and and Keith Bennett were were visiting along with their daughter um, this summer at our place. And um, and at, I guess at some point, my wife and and daughter kind of were over in one place, and Claire Keith and I were it was outside on the deck and whatnot. And of course, we somehow not. <laughs> Not somehow, but we started talking about St. John's, and uh, afterwards, Nikki, the daughter, said to Claire, Claire to my wife, um, Do they always talk about St. John's when they get together? And this was uh, like Claire and Keith's own children had no experience of St. John's and don't really know anything about the culture apart from what they kind of got second hand there, or maybe that I don't know if you had children as well at the school, but they weren't they never went to the school, even the three sons and the daughter certainly didn't. And it, it's sort of an unknown. It's like our spouses mm-hmm. really can't comprehend. And uh, my, uh, I got a, um, a, a Christmas note from a friend uh, who'd read my book and she said, you know, that's ridiculous. That they made you walk 50 miles, blah blah blah, and my wife said to me, "Yeah, it is ridiculous that they made you walk that." And I said, "Well, you know, um, it was, you know, we did it in one day, and and the 35 mile interschool race, you're doing about six hours or something like that, so it wasn't that big a deal, really in the end. Although it sounds, I think it sounds way worse than it is."
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, I I don't know that. I mean, coming out of that school, you were either dead or in very good physical shape. Um, I'm, you know, I sort of feel bad not taking advantage of that and doing something stupid like, you know, joining the Marines or, you know, the SEALs or something like that. But in truth, the physical part of it was pretty damn good. Though I'm pretty sure by the time you went to Alberta, uh, Paul, that um, the school had slacked off substantially and allowed the Albertans just you know to do whatever. I mean, my visits to the school, I was just not impressed. It looked it looked slack all around. What do you mean
3: modern and clean and <laughs> slack?
0: <laughs> like I said, slack. It was modern and clean. It looked very odd. James keeps saying that because uh, Richard and I suffered, you know, he uh, the changes were made to his benefit. But do you see? Is that true? I mean,
3: uh, actually, you know, in a in a serious vein, yes. I mean, we we take a look at uh, the accident um, at the Ontario school. Uh, that influenced a raft of changes in our outdoor procedures that were overdue welcome necessary Um, so yeah we were learning all the way along Um, i think challenge is extremely important but reasonable rational challenge
1: is is very important Hmm. one of the other things that that uh um Alberta probably benefited from was the the walls that the, the cream part of the walls you always told us Mr Norrell don't Mr. Norrell, sorry <laughs> <laughs> um said uh you always said don't be punching holes in that because that's uh if there's ever a fire that's going to save your life well of course Alberta did have the fire and and I went there after the school was they were in the process of of renovating after that and now were you there for when the fire happened i, I don't think so you know what year it was oh god it was a couple of years after i left so like 91 ish no then i was up in yukon at that time okay well one of the things was you know um the 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 damage was still quite evident when mother and I went there. And uh, Murray Davis was giving us a tour and showing this is what we're gonna do. Um, and he said, you remember how Mr. Nordall always used to say, don't punch holes in this stuff because it's gonna save your life. And I like, yeah. he says, well, you know, it it really did slow, slow the uh, spread of that fire. So, I mean, that's a, a, a modern thing. And then something else that he said too, was he said you know for students like you james um and he had to he almost said weichel and it wouldn't have bothered me one bit if he had um but uh you know since i wasn't a student there he did use my first name uh he said the school you went to is gone there won't be anything for you to come back to i did go back after all of the renovations were done and you know the uh, the dorms are where the classrooms used to be, and the classrooms where the dorms used to be, and the kitchen is where the hockey rink used to be, and like it was just it was all gone. Everything uh-huh. the oh the the offices were where the hallway was, and the hallway is where the offices were, and so he he was right in that in that regard. In that the the school that I went to is gone. Uh-huh. I mean in a in a very physical way, you know, whereas are the Selkirk buildings still there?
0: Some are the stone building's still there. Uh, they no. just the land was up for sale. I mean, th- there's been a lot, you know, there's a bridge now that goes over to uh, St Peter's to Dinever that wasn't there uh it just used to be power lines
2: um pierre i i i don't know um paul you i assume you went through the grenville um experience paul I, i i'm not sure and i'm curious uh one of the things that james said was that he remembers uh being aware of it and that whenever uh, staff who went gone through it, or, or others were talking about it. They always stopped talking about it when students became within earshot. And I'm curious uh, how how much you. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not sure if you went through it, but have you reflected on it and and what exactly did happen
3: in graduate? Um, I can give you a partial answer. I was away at university at that time. Um so I had um I had taught for so many years and then I had a sabbatical and I was going to University of Alberta and so I was living living on campus and I was supposed to be returning to teach in the fall and the staff had been away at this retreat, at this Grenville retreat. And I was very much out of the loop and I'm all of a sudden I'm getting these messages and phone calls that the school won't be starting up again in the fall and it was very very puzzling um, I don't I mean I think cult might be too strong of a word but there was an influence there over people and experience there over the staff that caused them to very dramatically reevaluate what they were doing and was leading to some pretty sudden changes, and like I say, I'm I'm sitting on the outside, going, I'm, "Why is it that the school won't be reopening?" And um, then, as we know, parents got engaged, and the school did indeed start.
2: Yeah, I I I'm I mean I I've read a little bit about it, and of course, I'm you may be aware, of Paul, and maybe not that. 50 former students at Grenville have um, launched a class action suit about five years ago and and I think it's at the Supreme Court level now so it, uh, basically they of course experienced as a student what I guess the staff went through uh, over what, what one or two week period in terms of uh, thought control and and basically cult-like kind of uh influences that um no, I it, it it it's interesting that it the school staff submitted themselves unknowingly to something like that I guess unknowingly and uh to some degree I guess it didn't have any long-term impact the schools all started back up again and went their way towards a finish uh, over the next 10 15 20 or 30 years it's uh, it was, uh I've, I've been curious about how, how I might have reacted. I mean, you get caught up in a group kind of therapy scenario. I mean, you call it a retreat, but it sounds like it was um, not designed to to build up and, and give them new strengths for continuing what they were doing, but it was
3: designed to break them down and turn them into different people. Yeah, like I say, I wasn't there, but I the, the repercussions were certainly surprising to me.
2: Uh, The other thing I was gonna ask you, did you, you you lasted what, a good 10 years? How how do you evaluate, were you one of the the longer term lasting teachers and did you go from a dollar a day to a full salary during that period?
3: Um, By the time I left, my lofty salary was $200 a month um they brought in then some salaried people just as i was leaving and uh, there's the first few hired teachers was my last couple of years
1: they didn't they sucked though <laughs> they absolutely did um there was uh um john nemo he, he wasn't a bad teacher I actually ran into him in public school when I went back there. He didn't recognize me at first, and we were getting towards the end of class. And I put up my hand, and I said, uh, Mr. Nemo, uh, so can you tell me, which do you find more rewarding, teaching in a public school like this or a private school like St. John's School of Alberta? Oh, my God, he just about got scared, eh? Um, He wasn't bad was it
0: harder to teach or to be a student teach good yeah. answer
1: yeah. probably because well while, while you were there you were you were really a great big student we saw that <laughs>
2: Did, I, I mean were you one of the longer serving masters at St. John's, Alberta? I, I mean, I, obviously Peter and Keith were way ahead of you, but uh, give me a, a, an idea of what, how, how you fit into that.
3: Um, probably. I was there for almost 10 years and um, it was, uh, what, I guess, a year of that I was off at university. But there were others who then stayed on much longer than I. Um, you know, Blaine Thalberger and I don't know how long the Wool Nose were there. I actually ended up teaching with the Woolnose up in Yukon. Uh, He moved up there ahead of me. Um, But yeah, there were, certainly Colin and Penny Belton were there for a long, long time, Um, as was Simon Jeans.
1: Yeah, Colin Belton was there for a while. Yeah. Schroeders were there for a while. Yeah, and Jim and Marie,
3: they were pretty long-term. I guess
2: at my experience at Selkirk is that, of course, with with the bleeding uh, away of staff to well to Alberta and then I guess uh, ultimately to Ontario, you right. never got a long particularly long-serving um, uh, staff, uh, and I, I guess I think Pierre was getting at this a little bit. You you never considered being a teacher at, in Manitoba.
3: Well, oh. um, it really wasn't. Um an option. It wasn't I suppose if I had a specifically asked for it, I maybe. But they they made their staffing decisions and placed people where they most needed them. Um, uh, so no, I I ended up doing my teaching at Alberta and yeah, and continued on teaching for a while up in UFO.
0: PJ probably wanted him close.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I I got the feeling that that there, and I think Pierre, you talked about this, that these schools were, you know, bleeding away some of your good teachers and it changed the culture of the school um, going west or going east.
0: There were some students, uh, I mean, I can name names. I think I was talking to Rob Keegan about this, that he was really pissed off when uh, Jackson took off to go to uh, Alberta. He thought it was very much a dilution of the whole brand. I mean, To put it in today's terms Mm -hmm. um you know and a, a bunch of it's funny you talk about jackson like you remember him as a teacher um he influenced me right just by putting rewrite on the damn you know i mean i could have done that for christ's sake uh i doubt that i could have led a brigade to set a record on the grand portage while <laughs> While almost killing everybody going down the rainy river sluice, <laughs>
2: right?
0: <laughs> you were there. You remember. You you know what it was like to get out of the canoes,
1: yeah. Paul. <laughs> Oh Yeah. When he when that record, I'll say quotes here to keep Richard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but was was that when his first child was born, or was that later? Because I know. <laughs> There was a trip where his wife was pregnant and it was their first kid. And he's like, and he told the brigade at the beginning, he says, Gentlemen, my wife is going to have our first child. I'm going to be there for it. And th- they did a three week canoe trip in like 15 days or something. It was, you know, you're paddling. If you, and it, the only time you're not paddling is the eight hours you're sleeping. <laughs> Is, was, was it that trip or we had that eight the hours
0: <laughs> they let you sleep eight hours christ the okay. canoes,
1: you drift down the river
2: <laughs> no that that wasn't the trip because that he was at the alberta too
0: young back.
3: yeah that's right the uh, the record-breaking grand corge trip was would it have been 74, 73
0: uh it was 73. Yeah, It was uh, the spring of, or the spring of 70, no, the, the, no, hold on. It was 73, 73 was the new boy. So it had to be 74 the next summer or the next right. in June.
3: I think the new boy was 72.
0: No, it's 73. Oh, okay. okay only because you, lo- I mean, you just look at the banner and it, okay. it says 73, as I remember. Wow. <laughs> to, be, but, to be,
2: to to be clear here um you went from thunder bay down lake superior to grand portage and you did all of lake winnipeg to the city of winnipeg
0: no okay you keep (laughs) using this to the city of winnipeg shit no we went back to the school
2: oh okay (laughs) (laughs) shaved you shaved a day i mean it was yeah
0: and it might have been 73 i'm looking at my uh thing here on my desk it might have been 73 but yeah no we we did shave a day that and you know what you know what the red is just a sewer by june the end of or Uh, mid-june it was a sewer by the end of june when you finished remember paddling through the night on the uh, floodway oh no (laughs) i you know what that was like the biggest failure of my entire life i they're lucky that's where Rob Keegan saw um Donnie Osmond's superstar written uh on his with marker on the blade of his paddle and threw it away <laughs> and then I think it may have been somebody other than Keegan but somebody no it had to be Keegan on this one he thought a voyageur was coming up to the bow of the canoe uh asking him for the maps i mean we we learned you learned. uh yeah i mean that was insane you know you were totally you, Sleep it was deprivation. you should have been operating a canoe so what i did what i did on that trip is we're paddling back to the school everybody's butt tired it had to be like the middle of the night and we're paddling back and I was steering, and you know what? Nobody was doing it. it. It was getting dangerous. So like I pulled off to this, I'd like beach the canoe. And a bunch of the canoes came back to get me, to get us, right? Because did they drown? Are they like floating? We need to find Bedard and his goddamn canoe. So boy, was I in deep shit for the last five, six miles to the school. <laughs> uh but you know i did the right thing i beached i wasn't gonna let anybody die i mean i couldn't tell what the hell was going on yep. Um, uh, we had been they kept us awake 24 hours yep. we were the last canoe going up the floodway ah so yeah there and that's why we set the record on the grand richard <laughs> not only you know what's even okay so here's the other grand thing that i'll tell you is uh robert young pelton do you guys know this guy robert pelton young he's ostensibly the most famous alumni we ever had one of uh, richard's uh classmates he wrote he wrote the book uh about uh surviving dangerous places get out alive i mean he's got that whole he was one of the founders of vice tv Anyway, he didn't finish the grand. I just wanted to say that for however <laughs> tough he was.
2: <laughs> well, you mean he quit? Or they, or they no, didn't, or they
0: didn't they let him finish. It, like it got too, oh. for whatever reason, they it shut just it. looked too bleak. They, shuttered, they yeah, shut, shut, the, it shut it down. down. Wow.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Wow. But now, at did, least Paul and how I, often I know did that, that, that we that set a should, record. Like, shut down. Like that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no. I I mean I was on the Hayes River trip, uh, which is featured in the book, and we, as it turned out, we were only a day from Hudson Bay, uh, and I guess it was an e ev- because we were being airlifted out, so I guess it was an easier place on the uh, on the Hayes River at that point uh, to stop and get airlifted out rather than paddle another day. In fact, anyway, but that uh, that's the only time I remember. I, well, no, that's not true. We were supposed to go from Rocky Mountain House all the way to the school on the Saskatchewan River and then down Lake Winnipeg. But we quit it Grand Rapids, which so we never did Lake Winnipeg. But I mean, I shut down, I, I guess. I mean, that was we were, that would have been another week, at least if we'd gone down Lake Winnipeg. So but if, if we you all didn't get of, wind blown. Yeah, I mean, and we were, you know, grade six and seven. Seven. So we were pretty young kids and uh, I guess it was, we'd already done a month of paddling pretty much 28 days, or 26 days. But uh, yeah, I don't know why other trips being shut down. Paul, you can talk about that.
3: I'm, I'm struggling to remember any actually. Um, I know we adapted a couple of uh, the new boy hikes that had to be adapted due to weather, um, take a different pass home, shorten it up. I don't recall a canoe trip
1: being changed. I know we had to go backwards on my first one a little bit because we went down the Athabasca and then we were going to go up the Labiche River. And that was fine for the first few days. But then it literally ran out of water. It basically turned into a field. Yeah. We were were laughing because when you were handing out lunch there, Paul, uh, we said you were doing your Jesus imitation because you were literally walking on the water that's how much crap there was on top of it yeah um and so we 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 back paddled some i don't even know where we were supposed to end up on that because there was always going to be a mechanical portage there where we went from somewhere on the labish river over to uh beaver to the beaver Beaver river yeah. and and we went down that that was something else too we're paddling down the beaver river towards cold lake and you know, the the planes are flying overhead, and you're like, man, I want to do that. <laughs> we, uh, we
3: camped at the end of the runway, the, the Beaver River goes right past CFB Cold Lake, and we pitched our tents, went to sleep, and they started taking off with these F-18s early in the morning, and the first one going over, kicking on the afterburners, man, you're out of that tent <laughs> in a hurry. <laughs> that
1: was really scary. Um, the other thing I remember about that trip was we 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 got to Laibach, and uh, we, were, we were staying in a gym for the last night. And one of the students on the trip decided they had a problem with me, and were getting in my face. So I uh, I smacked him. I knocked him on his ass, and he jumps up. He goes, "Wally, if I had a knife, I'd stab you right now." <laughs> And one of the other students says, well, I know where there's a knife <laughs> and gave it to him. And he looked at it for a second. And I looked at him and he went, he was trying to stab me. So then I really knocked him down and kind of beat on him for a while. And he jumped up and he's like, I'm gonna go tell Murdo. Go ahead. <laughs> so off the side door he went. He was gone for. A couple of minutes and then I remember this plane this day the door opens and it was you and like you're a big bear of a man right so the door opens and you looked at me and you looked at the guy that gave me the gave him the knife and you shook your head and you shut the door and that was the end of it and uh next day I mean the student was still there the next day but uh, he was kept apart from the rest of us. And uh and that was the last time I ever saw him. He didn't come back to the school, but that was another one of those Paul Nordal moments that I remember because you shook your head, and I think there is a bit of a smirk on your face too. Um when you, you did it, because clearly the guy had it coming. refused to respond.
0: Well guys, we're getting <laughs> we're uh getting near the end, and I may cut back some of that uh uh description of getting a knife pulled on you that that just may not be appropriate but yeah, um funny. anyway paul thank you so much for doing this Absolutely. Um, i know we could t- keep talking forever actually uh, i feel bad cutting this off but there's so much we could talk about and it's great to see you again um i hope we can stay definitely stay in touch and hopefully see you live um
3: Well, thank you, gentlemen. I I really appreciate you letting me into your podcast and uh, your conversations. It's been extremely
1: enjoyable.
2: Good meeting you. Good meeting
1: you, Paul. Yes, it was good seeing you again. I've I've honest since Pierre first said this was a possibility. I've just been giddy. I've really excited. (laughs) Well, it's funny, eh? I,
3: you know, I go through periods of time. My life has chugged along. And then there'll be some reference to St. John's and that life and it's a lot of memories come flooding back.